Well, good morning. It is a great uh, privilege and joy to have you worshiping with us today online and, uh, or perhaps by television. Uh, we're just so delighted that you are a part of our worship time here at Highland Park. Uh, we had last Sunday morning an incredible time of worship at the park uh, with a community drive-in Easter service, and it was just such a rich time and a sweet time. And so good to see everyone smiling faces, even though it was through car windshields and windows, it was still a joy to be together again as a church family. And until this um, COVID-19 uh, crisis is over, we'll continue to bring you God's Word uh, via our website. So take a few moments, let other folk know that um, this link is available and that you can hear uh, God's Word shared uh, from this pulpit here at Highland Park is also, you'll be able to worship along with our choir and other folk that'll be coming from time to time to share with us in song. I want to encourage you to keep praying for one another. Keep reaching out. Keep calling one another. I hear about so many positive things that are taking place in our church behind the scenes as folk call each other and, and um, uh, do acts of service and kindness for one another. So thank you for that. Thank you for modeling the love of the Lord Jesus and, uh, and being so faithful the way that you are. Also, I want to give you an update on our building program. We continue to move forward. Uh, God is blessing in an amazing way. Each time you drive by the campus, you will see uh, new changes that are, are taking place with each passing day. And maybe it will not be too much longer, a few months certainly, but not too much longer we'll get to see the completion of our Family Life Center and be able to enjoy all the ministry opportunities that is going to provide for us. Uh, during this time of uh, worshiping remotely, I would encourage you to continue to give as God has enabled you to do so. Uh, you can simply mail your check to the church office if you want to do that, or you can go online at our website and uh, you can give there just by clicking on the giving tab, uh, a secure link, and you'll be able to do that. Uh, please continue to pray for one another. Let me know, let our family deacons know if there are any uh, needs in our church family that we can address. We want to be there for you and certainly let you know that we are praying for you. At this time, let's join our hearts together in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for your love and your grace. And Lord, in a time like this when we worship in a different way than what we're accustomed to, uh, we know that, uh, Lord, you are still faithful to be right here with us. We know that your word never returns void, that it accomplishes that whereunto you send it, Lord. So I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that their hearts would be stirred today by this worship time together. We pray that you would heal those who are sick and hurting, that you'd give comfort and grace today, God, to those going through times of difficulty. And Lord, even though um, our world is focused on COVID-19, and, and Lord, we recognize and are sensitive to the needs of those experiencing the, uh, the, the effects of that, we certainly want to keep our focus and our mind upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Continue to bless our missionaries around the world. Provide for them, God. Give them everything that they need, all the tools and the resources to continue to carry that great gospel story. Now just bless this wonderful time of worship together and bless your word as it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
blade of grass so green crushed in the footprint of the Nazarene sprang back and waved a message to a bird on the wing that's him in a muddy old river in the noonday sun an outcast kept crying i tell you he's the one a voice out of heaven said i am pleased with my son and that's him that's him he shared A morning star that glows He's Alpha, Omega The beginning and the end That's He Angry waves Splashing everywhere Asleep in the boat does he even care? We're all so afraid He just keeps lying there That's him Then he raised his hand Above his head Said peace be still and the waters fled A wave tapped the wind On the shoulder and said That's him That's him That's him There'll be two at work In a field It's too late, he'll say, cause that's him. And with one foot on the sea and one on the shore, declaring the time will never be anymore, the trumpet will shout like never. That's he That's he
What an incredible song. Marcy, thank you for sharing that with us today. My goodness, a great message in that song, and it certainly does lift up the Savior. I want to speak to you from the Gospel of Matthew today, chapter number 14, a message entitled, To Keep Your Eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Perhaps there's not been a time in my life where we need to be reminded of that more than right now to keep our eyes on the Lord. I know that I saw the uh, new, latest news reports, and it says that worldwide there have been some 2 million COVID-19 cases, some 2 million people uh, whose lives have been forever changed and altered uh, by this disease. That's incredible. And about 128,000 deaths. My goodness, if we ever in all of our lives need to re be reminded to keep our eyes on the Lord, it is during these days. So I want to talk to you about that for the next little while from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 22. Listen to what the Scriptures say. And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him unto the other side while He sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Keep your eyes on the Lord. The context from Matthew chapter 14 is that of a busy, hectic, emotional day in the life of the Lord Jesus. He had just received word, if you go back and read the entirety of the chapter, not even the one before this, you find that he had just received word that Herod Antipas had carried out the execution of John the Baptist. You'll recall that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist is the one whom baptized Jesus. In fact, you'll remember that scene where Jesus comes down the bank of the Jordan River and John looks in his direction and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Do you know that Jesus said about John the Baptist that he was the greatest man born of woman? So for Jesus to hear that Herod had ordered and then carried out the execution of John the Baptist certainly must have pained him in his heart, and it must have been a very emotionally difficult time for the Lord. So verse number 13 of this chapter says that Jesus, by boat, withdraws himself to a solitary place. It's as though he was looking for a quiet place just to grieve. 
A quiet place to be alone with the Father. A quiet place to kind of get his emotional batteries charged again. But those quiet places were not very easy for Jesus to find. The Scripture tells us that the crowds follow after him and that soon he is surrounded by some 5,000 hungry people, 5,000 hollow-eyed people without enough to eat. And the Scripture says that he has compassion on the multitudes, that he heals them, that he speaks to them, that he offers encouragement to them, that he, that he takes little children and he sets them on his lap, and that he also takes just a few pieces of bread, just a couple of fish, and he is able to bless that and to feed the 5,000 who were there that day. And then at the end, there were some 12 baskets of leftovers that were collected. It was such an incredible miracle that the people were so moved, they say, we want this man to be our king. We want him to be in charge. But listen, Jesus knew their enthusiasm was very shallow. He knew them to be a fickle crowd, and he continues to finish what he had started earlier in the day, and that was to retire to a quiet place where he could be alone with the Father and where he could pray. It was getting late in the day, and after dismissing the crowd, he sends his disciples on ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he tells them that he would meet up with them a little bit later. And that's where you pick up this story that I just read to you today in Matthew 14. In fact, verse number 22 says that Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. So this is a very tender somewhat private scene that you see from our Lord where he has retired to a place of prayer. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the humanity of Jesus. Listen, Jesus was a human like you and I are human. And that is, he was touched with the, with the pains and the difficulties and the worries and the troubles of life just as though you and I are. He knows what it is like to be tired to be um, criticized. He knows what it's like to be uh, hurt. He knows what it is like to be troubled. He knows what it is like to struggle. He knows what it is like to be uh, uh, accused or to be misunderstood. Jesus experienced all the troubles and all the difficulties of life that you and I would experience because he was a human, just like you and I. Now, of course, the difference of him was he was also the God-man. But being the God-man did not reduce his humanity at all. He was 100% God, and he was 100% man at the same time. And here in Matthew 14, the beginning of this narrative, what you see is a glimpse into the humanity of Jesus as he steals away in the quietness of the moment to meet with the Father in prayer. And in that prayer, it reveals the human side of Jesus because only humans pray. Animals do not pray. Plants do not pray. Only humans pray. And when we pray, we are demonstrating our dependence upon God. When we pray, we are expressing to God how we need Him, how we long to have fellowship with Him, how we desire Him to intercede on behalf of something that has taken place in our lives. So prayer is something that is unique to the human condition. And that is what Jesus is doing here after receiving the word about John the Baptist's death. 
After feeding the multitudes with the little boy's lunch, he is able to steal away and call on the Father for great strength in his hour of grief and pain and difficulty. And Jesus prays to the Father, and he prays as a man. And then what you're going to see when he finishes the prayer, as a human or as a man, he gets up and eventually he steps out on the Sea of Galilee where the disciples are struggling rowing a boat in the middle of a terrible storm, and he walks on the water expressing his deity. So right here in this one chapter, you see both the humanity and the deity of the Lord Jesus. So since he was a man, he can relate to all of our troubles. Since he was a man, he can relate to all of our difficulty, our sorrow. In fact, the Bible says he was a man of grief. He was acquainted with sorrow. But at the same time, I want you to know that since he was God, And in the heart of Jesus beat the very heart of God. He is able to rise above all the troubles of life. And in doing so, lift you and I above the storms and the troubles of life as well. If we will keep our eyes on Him. When you keep your eyes on the Lord, it actually brings you closer to the Lord. Listen to verse 24. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the winds were contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. You see, storms, troubles, hardship, difficulties is all designed by God for a purpose. And that purpose is ultimately to bring us closer to God. It is to to recalibrate our lives. It is to refocus our attention. You know, it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? And to look around at the troubles, to look around at the hardships. But a storm or a hardship is really designed by God. Not that He causes it, but simply that He uses it to recalibrate our attention and to refocus our attention. You see, Jesus knew that these men, his disciples, were going to go through a storm when he told them to get into the boat and go to the other side. This didn't take him by surprise. He had already orchestrated these affairs. In fact, the Bible says that it was now the fourth watch of the night. Some translations say it was shortly before dawn. That is sometimes between, sometime between the hours of three in the morning and six in the morning. The darkest time of the entire night. And the Bible, if you could just imagine this scene as the disciples are in the middle of this brutal storm, they had fought the waves, they had been battered by the rain, pelted by the winds, and uh, I remember when, when we were there on the Sea of Galilee and we were able to take that little boat ride Uh, similar to a boat uh, of what Jesus would have been in from time to time, except ours, uh, we had the uh, advantage of having a modern-day engine on it. But uh, Jesus' disciples were totally uh, at the mercy of the elements that surrounded them. And it's a pretty intimidating thing to be out there, and under windy conditions, I'm sure. But especially when a terrible storm is just bearing down on you. And the disciples were feeling this storm as their backs were bent hard to the row, uh, to the oars, and they were trying to row to keep this boat uh, under control. And it was like all of heaven opened up, and that storm was just raging. Right now, in this storm of COVID 19, maybe you're facing some of the darkest days of your life right now. You say, Pastor, only, only if you knew. 
Not only did I lose my job, but my spouse, they lost their job as well. And both of us are having to go to the unemployment office and file uh, for unemployment. And we don't know how we're going to pay our rent, or we don't know how we're going to pay our mortgage, or we don't know how we're going to keep our businesses afloat. So when you talk about a a storm right now, Pastor, I'm in the middle of a storm. Listen, I want you to know that my heart aches for you, and I pray for you. If there's any way that I can help you, I want you to call me and reach out to me And let me know, because I just don't want to give you words today. I want you to know that you do serve a Savior who loves you. And you have a pastor who loves you. You have a church family who loves you. And we are all in this thing together. And though it is dark right now, the Bible says, weeping endures for the night. But listen, joy comes in the morning. As difficult as a time might be that you're dealing with right now, I want you to know that God is still in control of every single aspect of life. Listen to Psalm 139. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. Yea, the darkness hides not from you, Lord. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Isn't that a great passage? That darkness, darkness does not interfere with God's ability to see the storms of life that we're in. Darkness does not impede God's ability to know and to see the troubles that we're going through. You see, the disciples were in this fight for their lives. They were toiling, and they were rowing, and they were struggling under very serious conditions, afraid for their lives. And when they thought that all hope was lost in the darkness of the storm, listen, the Bible says that Jesus comes right to where they are, and he's walking on the waves. No doubt there are times when we all may feel like we've lost a battle with our storm or with our struggle. But listen, just as sure as God is in control of your blessings, God is also in charge of our storms. Nothing takes him by surprise. Isn't it great to know, isn't it great to know that, that the one who created the entire universe holds the universe in the palm of his hands? That he has the, has the hair of our head numbered, and the Bible says not even a sparrow, listen, not even a sparrow falls to the ground without our Lord knowing that. The darkness of the storm doesn't keep him from seeing your troubles. The darkness of the storm, it may make you feel alone, but I can assure you, you are not alone. You have a friend who sticks closer than a brother who has promised that he would never leave you and never forsake you. So when things seem the bleakest, just look around. Jesus is there. He'll show up. He may not keep you from going through that storm, But I want you to know he'll walk with you through all the hurricanes of life. My mind goes back to, we call them the three Hebrew children. They're better known by their Babylonian names, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their Hebrew names are Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. You remember a time they were thrown into the furnace under the command of Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, he had asked that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than it had ever been heated before. And when, when these uh, three young men were thrown into the furnace because of their faith in God, Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace and said, did we not throw three men into the furnace? And they said, yes, three. And he said, but I see four. 
And the fourth looks like that of the Son of God. Listen, in all of the heat of the furnace, Jesus is right there with you. In all of the darkness of the storm, Jesus is right there with you. Think about Daniel in the lion's den for a moment. What would be more intimidating than the prospect of being thrown into a den full of man-eating lions? But yet this was Daniel's fate. This is what was going to happen to him. And Daniel was indeed, the mouth of the cave was lifted off and Daniel was thrown right into the middle of a group of man-eating lions who ordinarily would tear people to shreds. But right there in that cave, with the ferocious nature of those lions, the angel of the Lord was able to encamp around Daniel. Right in the middle of that storm, right in the middle of that hardship, Listen, it was no longer Daniel in the lion's den, but it was the lions in Daniel's den because God had given Daniel ownership, listen, over that storm because God was right there with him. He didn't just pluck Daniel out of it, but he came into, into, the, into the den with Daniel to let Daniel feel his protection. Listen, that's what he does with you and I when we go through struggles. He doesn't just pluck us out of it. But he walks through it with us to let us feel his protection, his presence, his peace, his grace. I think about uh, Noah. I hear so many reports of uh, children being out of school, parents being out of work, and they're all uh, at home together, perhaps for the first time in a long time, and uh, not able to go anywhere, and they're staying home 24-7. And for some parents, they're like, I can't take it anymore. Listen, use this time, use this time in a positive way. Use this time together to, to, to play together, to pray together, to get better acquainted with one, with one another. When you don't have busy schedules that you're having to run to sporting events or to ball games or to practices, you can just take this time and you can just, you can just enjoy each other's company. You say, Pastor Darrell, I can't take it anymore. Listen, you remember Noah. Noah was in that ark during that global deluge. Now, certainly it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was quarantined in that ark with he and his family. And it was just them, Noah, his wife, their three children, and their wives were all in that ark. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. But listen, they were in that ark longer than 40 days and 40 nights. You go back and you read Genesis uh, chapter 6, chapter 7, and you'll find Noah was in the ark around about 160 days, as best I can remember, he and his family, before finally the ark rested on Mount Ararat, and they were able to come out of that ark. But right there, listen, right there in that ark, what they were able to do is look through that one window in the ark and see and, uh, th- uh, up into heaven and know that God is still in control. Imagine the fright uh, they felt to know that uh, they were in that boat when the whole world was covered with water. But God knew exactly where they were. And they could look up through that window and be reminded that God is in control. They just keep their eyes on Him. So I would encourage you to do the same thing. Keep your eyes on the Lord. There was a little boy I had uh, read about who was... uh, wanting to go to a little friend's birthday party. He lived in an inner city, and uh, you walk pretty much um, from block to block to be with his friends. And uh, he wanted to go to his little friend's birthday party. It's in the middle of winter, 
terrible snowstorm had uh, begun to dump not just inches, but uh, a foot of snow or so uh, on the ground. And the little boy's dad said to him, son, I don't think it's good for you to to go today, so you're going to have to stay home. The little fellow, he was so disappointed because he said, dad, all my friends are going to be there. Can't you just trust me? I'll be careful. I'll I'll stay close to the buildings for for, uh, a little bit of added protection. And it's just right down the street. And the dad saw how much this meant to the little fellow, so he finally agreed and said, okay, son, I'll allow you to go. And as the little boy trudged and trudged through this waist-deep snow for this little fellow, he finally makes it to his friend's house, comes to the front porch, and as he rings the doorbell, looks back over his shoulder, and what he saw was his dad, his father, had been tracking him every step of the way to make sure that he arrived safely. That's the way the Lord does for you and I. We go through the storms, and we feel like, Lord, I can't row anymore. God, I can't face another man-eating lion. God, the furnace is just too hot for me. But listen, if you'll just look around, you'll, you'll find that your Father is right there with you every step of the way, and He will never put more on you than He puts in you. So storms have a way of bringing us closer to Him, a greater appreciation for the relationship that we have with Him. But also I want you to know that when we keep our eyes on the Lord, it not only brings us closer to Him, but it also increases our faith. You see, the more you see God work, the stronger your faith gets. The more we watch God work in difficult and what we would think even impossible circumstances, the greater our faith becomes. So the, uh, when we keep our eyes on the Lord, it really does increase our faith. Listen, our faith. Listen to verse 26. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Now listen, they are fighting the wind, and they're fighting the waves, and they're fighting the elements that are bearing down on them. And as they look through the storm, what they see is someone, a figure, moving across the water. To them, the first thing they think is it's a spirit or it's a ghost because you don't see a man walking across the water. No, as Jesus, we saw him as a, as in his humanity praying. But now what you see is in his deity as God. He's walking across the water. The disciples look and they say, it's a ghost. It's, in the Greek, it's, it's a, a phantasma. It, uh, it's where we get our word, a fantasy or fantastic or phantom. And they're saying, we, saw, we, see, a, we see a ghost out there. We see a, a phantom. And they've been rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing. It's the darkest time of the night. They're dead tired. Their muscles ache. And what they see is they see the Lord coming closer to them. Do you know that the Old Testament, a couple of different times, talks about God walking on the water? But it never, ever says anything about a man walking on the water. Listen to Job 9. God alone spreads out the heavens and treads upon the waves of the sea. Let me tell you that again. God alone spreads out the heavens and treads upon the waves of the sea. Of the sea, God and God alone. Listen to Isaiah 43. The Lord makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Only God walks on the water. 
not man. But here we are now in the New Testament. The disciples afraid their little boat is going down. And as they look up in the middle of this storm, they see this figure approaching them, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. The man who had just prayed and fed the 5,000 earlier in this text, now as God is moving right into the storm of these disciples, uh, the struggles that they were facing as God. Do you know the Bible says... In Matthew 1, that when, the, Joseph, when uh, the angel told Joseph about uh, Mary um, conceiving uh, with God's son, that she would bring forth a son, the Bible says that they would call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. What better passage in all of Scripture do we see God with us than when Jesus comes walking on the sea to the disciples? Notice verse number 27 says, But straightway Jesus spake to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, at first they thought it was a, a ghost. But as he spoke to them, the reality dawned upon them that this is our Savior. Back in the um, fall of last year, my wife and I were riding uh, our bicycles uh, here on the community walking trail. And uh, it was fairly early in the morning, best of my recollection. And uh, uh, I had on a, a hat and I had on a pair of sunglasses. And uh, on that day, I was not wearing a coat and tie like you normally see me in. Uh, but I was wearing a hat, I was wearing sunglasses. We were riding our bicycles on the trail. And, uh, yeah, well, you're riding your bicycles, you're moving along at a pretty good click, and, and we're just going down the trail, and I just happened to pass someone, or I met someone. They were walking in one direction, and I was riding my bike in the other direction. And this person was a member of our church family. And just as I kind of looked up to them, or looked at them, by the time I really recognized who they were, I had just gotten past them. But I called out their name, and I said, hello, so-and-so. I called their name, and then I just zoomed on past. And then I don't think I saw them again the remainder of the day. The next time we were at church, that person came up to me, and they said, Pastor, I saw you coming, but I didn't know it was you. I saw that person on the bike, but I had no idea it was you until you spoke. And when you spoke, I knew your voice, and I knew it was you. Listen, Jesus said, my sheep know me. They hear my voice, and another they will not follow. Here's the disciples on the Sea of Galilee thinking that their boat is going down, and Jesus comes to them, and he says, Guys, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It is me. It is I, he says. Be of good cheer. And he used that expression that the disciples would immediately know because it links that expression links to uh, what was said about God in, in Exodus chapter 3 when God said, when Moses asked him, who do I tell Pharaoh sent me? God says, tell him, I am sent you. And now right here in the middle of the storm, Jesus said, don't be afraid. It is I. The one who created the universe, the one who created the wind and the waves that are, that are, that are pelting your skin right now, don't be afraid. Because what might look outside your control is certainly within his control. So he says, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be upset. Because it's just another storm that you're going through. And storms have a way of bringing us closer to the Lord. And storms have a way of increasing our faith. As I've already said, the more you see God do, the more you see him work, the greater your faith 
comes. You see, when Jesus came forward and he said, it is I, don't be afraid. An emphatic personal pronouns. The same statements that Jesus would use when he said, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In John, he gives us seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. Do you get the picture? The more you see God do, if you'll keep your eyes on him, the greater your faith becomes. You say, but pastor, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like uh, getting laid off. Or you may not know what it's like having a loved one that is sick with COVID-19. Or, Pastor, maybe you don't know what it's like to see the situation of my life. I don't. I don't know everyone's situation, but I know that God knows your situation. And God is just calling you to, to reorient yourself today and look at Him and get your eyes focused on Him. And when you do, that will just increase your faith. There's a story told about a a letter that was found in a baking powder can wired to the handle of an old pump. You see these old hand pumps um, that uh, provided the only source of drinking water along a seldom-used trail out in the desert of Nevada. And this note said this, quote, This pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it, and it ought to last five years. But the washer dries out, and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun, cork end up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but now listen, but not if you drink any of it first. Pour about one-fourth into the pump, let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour in the rest of the bottle, medium fast, and pump like crazy, and you'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill the bottle, put it back like you found it for the next feller. That signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it, and you'll get all the water you can. End of quote. Isn't that a great story? Don't, don't just drink the water first, he says. You have to have the faith that if you pour it in, and you work, and you prime that pump, that you'll get all the water that your heart desires. Listen, faith is that way. The more you exercise it, the greater it grows. The more you trust God, the more you'll see God do in your life. So God can use these storms as a reminder to us to recalibrate our faith, to put our eyes back on the Lord and to trust Him, even in the troubles and the storms and the difficulties. Faith says, believe God. God will come through for you. Listen to verse 28 and following. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you. And he said, come. Talk about faith, right? Peter's going to exercise his faith and get out of that boat, and he's going to walk to the Lord. Notice verse 29. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Can you imagine having that kind of faith? We give Peter a hard time because after a little while, Peter began to sink. But think about the faith that it had, that Peter had to have to begin with, to step out of that boat. 
and to believe that the water was going to hold him up or that he was able, going to be able to come to the Lord. And that's exactly what happened. The Scripture says that Peter, I can just see him in the storm, throws one leg over the boat, throws the other leg over the boat, and he turns around and looks and he sees Jesus and he's walking on the water toward him. Now remember, the storm has never stopped at this point. The rain is still coming down. The wind is still blowing. The waves are still crashing against him. And behind all of Peter's back is this little fishing boat and the disciples are still working to try to row it under control. And Jesus, right here, the Scripture says, walking on the waves, sees Simon Peter, and Simon is looking at the Lord, keeping his eyes on the Lord. Listen to what happens, verse number 30. But when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid. Boy, that's what happens, isn't it? Fear is a very real human emotion. Fear is, is, um, is awakened with difficult circumstances. Fear is awakened with the unknown. Fear is awakened with what if. What if this happens that I don't have control over? Or this happens that I don't have control over, I don't have a solution for, I don't have answers to. Peter, as he started to look around, the Bible says that he was afraid. He was afraid of the storm that was swirling all around him. And put yourself in his wet sandals. Can't you too relate to that? Peter was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save save me. It's one of the shortest prayers in all the Bible because it's a desperate prayer. Listen, when we are desperate, we just call out on God and we say, God, I need you to come through for me. And God will. You see, for Simon Peter, what had happened was as he started looking around at the troubles and the things that were outside of his control, he got his eyes off the Lord. And anytime you get your eyes off the Lord, you're going to begin to sink right down into the mess of what you don't want to be in in the first place. And the only way to rise above that is to keep our eyes on the Lord. Because when you keep your eyes on the Lord, it increases your faith. When you keep your eyes on the Lord, it brings you closer to Him. And when you keep your eyes on the Lord, you'll finally really see God for who He is. And here Simon Peter was going to see that. In verse number um, 30, 30, the Bible says that he began to sink. He cried and said, Lord, save me. And immediately, I love this passage. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and he caught him. You keep your eyes on the Lord, he's not going to let you go down. You keep your eyes on the Lord, uh, he's not going to leave you destitute. You keep your eyes on the Lord, there might be situations for which you have no solutions, but there is nothing for which he will not have solutions. You keep your eyes on the Lord, there still may be situations that you don't know how they're going to pan out and work out. But if you keep your eyes on him, I'll guarantee you every single time, God works all things together for your good and for his glory. So those storms have a way of redirecting our attention. And when we get our eyes on the Lord, it brings us closer to him, it increases our faith, and it helps us to see him as he really is. Jesus said to Peter, as he reached down and took him by the hand, he said, oh, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? 
Why did you doubt? Oftentimes, I have found this true in my own life. I know the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. But oftentimes, I believe what the devil says and I forget about what God says. Listen, don't ever believe what the devil has to say as he whispers in your ear because everything he will tell you is negative. Everything he will tell you is a lie. But oftentimes we believe it and we swallow that hook, line, and sinker. I want to say to you, listen to what God says. You can always depend upon that. You can always trust that. You can bank your entire life on that, that he has your good at heart. So the Bible says Jesus reaches down and verse 32 says, and when they were come into the ship, he just gets Peter by the hand, brings him back into the boat. The Bible says the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. When we're going through a storm, there might be times that we're tempted to think that God does not care, or that God is unaware, or that God doesn't know about your particular storm. He knows about everyone else's, but he doesn't know about your particular storm. Or you may feel as though God might be distant or cold or not here. But listen, don't ever fail to look up. God's eye is on the sparrow. God watches over you with absolute attention and affection. He just takes Simon Peter by the hand. And in that moment of Peter's desperation, just picks him up and brings him into that boat of safety. You see, he is in control of the storms. Not me, but he is in control of the storms. You see, sometimes it's hard to see what a blessing a storm can be. Sometimes it's hard to imagine that the Lord can bring anything good out of something that brings me so much anguish and concern. But God is always at work. He just simply says to us, look at me. Keep your eyes on me. Refocus, recalibrate, reorient yourself, and look at me. That's what God is asking us to do. The story is told about a pastor who was on an airplane uh, in a long flight from one destination to another. And as he was on this uh, airplane and been on there for a number of hours, um, a warning light on this plane began to flash that said, fashion your seat belts. And after a while, the captain came on the intercom and said, uh, we are experiencing turbulence, so we will not be serving any beverages or any meals at this time, so be sure you remain seated and fashion your seat belts. And as he looked around the aircraft, and the plane began to encounter light but moderate in tur turbulence, he noticed uh, that the individual seemed to get a little bit more um, anxious and a little more nervous. And then a little while later, the uh, pilot came back on the uh, intercom again, and it said, uh, it's going to get a little more bumpy as we move around the edges of this storm. But once again, as a reminder, please remain seated. Keep your seatbelt fastened. And sure enough, in just a little while, the plane began to pitch back and forth, and it began to lurch forward, and it began to go up and down. And passengers could look out the window, and they could see the darkening of the skies and the lightning flashing off in the background. And um, people got more and more anxious with each passing moment. Anyway, this pastor said, as I looked around the plane, I could see that nearly all passengers were upset and alarmed. Some were praying, uh, some were weeping, 
Some were quietly talking to the person next to them as if to try to get some reassurance. And he said, finally, I saw a little girl. And apparently the storm meant nothing to her. She had her feet tucked beneath her in the seat. And she was reading a book, and everything within her small world seemed calm and orderly. He says, sometimes she closed her eyes, then she would read again, then she would straighten her legs, but fear and worry were not part of her world. He says, when the plane was being jostled around by the terrible storm, when it lurched this way and that way, as it rose and fell with frightening severity, and when all the adults were scared half to death, this child was completely composed and unafraid. Well, the minister could hardly believe his eyes. It was not surprising that when the plane finally reached its destination and all the passengers were in a hurry to disembark, the pastor lingered to speak to this little girl whom he had watched for such a long time. And having commented about the storm and the behavior of the plane, he asked her how she was able to maintain such composure and to appear to be so unafraid. And the child just simply replied, as only a child can, Because my daddy is the pilot, and he's just taking me home. Whatever storm you're going through, I want you to know you have a Father in heaven who is your pilot. And as your pilot, he loves you with an everlasting love, and he's just taking you home. Every step of the way, he's going to walk with you. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He's just taking you home. Just put your eyes on him, focus on him, and you will find that it will bring you closer to him. You will find that it will increase your faith, and you will find that when you put your eyes on the Lord, you'll see him as he really is. A loving, compassionate father who has your best interest at heart. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for being so real. Thank you for being there through every difficulty, through the thick and the thin. Thank you, God, that you're that constant. Lord, you tell us, I'll go with you even to the end of the age. Bless those under the sound of my voice. Bless those, Lord, that may be here in this message that have never opened their heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that today, as they've heard this message, that they would say, I want Jesus in my life. That they would repent, pray, and tell you, Lord, that they are sorry for their sins and that they've invited Jesus to come and save them. Then, Lord, just work in the lives of our folk who are hurting. Work through all of our healthcare professionals, our doctors, our first responders during this COVID crisis. And through all that we experience, may we keep our eyes upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. At the uh, beginning of this message, you were blessed to hear Marcy Mills uh, come and share a great song of encouragement. And at this time, she's going to close us out with another beautiful song today. Marcy. Thorns on his head, spear in his side. Yet it was a heartache that made him cry. He gave his life so you would understand. Is there any way you could say no to this man? 
Christ himself was standing here face full of glory and eyes full of tears and he held out his arms and his nail printed hands is there any way you could say no to this man how could you look in his tear-stained eyes knowing it's you he's thinking of could you tell him you're not ready to give him your life could you say you don't think you need his love Jesus is here with his arms open wide you can see him with your heart if you'll stop looking with your eyes he's left it up to you he's done all he can is there any way you could say no to this man how could you look in his tear-stained eyes knowing it's you he's thinking of could you tell him you're not ready to give him your life could you say you don't think you need his love thorns on his head your life in his hands is there any way you could say no to this man oh is there any way you could say no to this man